Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Al Hour. Tonight's author, Don Winsaw. Tonight's story, Dead A new dynamic series based on the work of the great names of the modern short story. Presented by the reporter, podcaster, M.L. Elric. Reporter, podcaster. Well, that's a moniker I'll have to get used to. You know, in a reporter turned podcaster, searching for material becomes one of his main jobs. And one of mine is to read stories of all kinds. Adventure, romance, mystery, comedy. Always looking for strong yarns. Well told, it will achieve the big result, entertainment. You ask interrogatory questions, I did too. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? It's confession time, and I have to let you know that uh, I'm wearing this really sweet new Soul of Detroit baseball cap because it is so new and so sweet. But really, it's because my hair smells like tear gas because it's been a few days since I've had a shower. It's been uh, quite a uh, stretch since I went down as an observer to watch the first march on Friday downtown to protest the police uh, uh, initiated death of a, a petty criminal, a guy who may have passed some bad bills in Minneapolis. And since then, a world that was already burning had many, many logs thrown on it. And uh, it's just been crazy. I hope you've been following our coverage at the Free Press. We are going to have a very special guest joining us, Mandy Wright. She has been doing some exemplary work as a photographer as an observer, as a commentator, as someone who can connect people at home with what's going on in the streets. And she's also spent some time at war in the Middle East. And we're going to ask her to compare what she's seen on the streets of Detroit with what she's seen in the battlefields of a place that will never seemingly stop burning. I'm pleased to say that today the burning has stopped in Detroit. It didn't quite get started like it had in other parts of the country and for that, we're grateful, too. Uh, we're also going to be joined by our good friends and uh, staples of the show, Mr. Marcus Aurelius Fellhauer, the emperor of Gnome. Sure. Man's land, something it. like that. I don't know. It Sounds good sounded enough. better in my head. <laughs> it always does. And, and Sean Windsor, who uh, once again is doing his uh, George Washington uh, imitation right down to the, uh, <laughs> to the uh, Ray-Bans and Wooden Teeth. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Jennings, editor of Soft Magazine and the curator oh, of This Week in Soft History is waiting with a fine example of this week's Facebook sponsor. That would be Altus Beer. We really appreciate Altus Beer bringing you uh, this broadcast live on Facebook. If you're listening at home, um, you know, you can always watch us. You can go back even after the live broadcast is there. It'll be curated. Um, so you can always watch it. If you're watching us now, you might want to listen to us because you're only getting a portion of the show. You're missing room seven, six or nine and a lot of the really cool stuff we do at the end of the show. But right. I want to, right now I want to start with something really cool myself. That's Altus beer. If you remember Altus beer, when it first came out, it's best forgotten, but it's an original beer. It's got original Detroit character, but it has more flavor 
and is more worth your time and your pal than ever before. It's making a comeback here in the greatest city in the world. And it's the do anything, anytime with anyone beer. If you're having trouble finding it because you're not going to your bars or restaurants, they're reopening soon. So you can ask for it from the tap, but you can also find it at grocery stores and convenience stores and fine markets throughout our area. Just ask them to carry it. If they don't have it, if you're trying to find out who does carry it, go to altus.beer. That's altus.beer. A lot of great things that started in Detroit went away, but boy, I'm glad Altus is back. It's a lager that packs a serious punch, and that punch is flavor. So altus.beer, thank you for being our Facebook Live sponsor. And thank you for supporting the soul of Detroit. Folks, we're going to have some more sponsor reads in a few minutes. I just want to remind you, I don't think I do this enough. If you go and do business with one of our sponsors, we try and do business with people that we feel good about endorsing. We turn away some advertisers, not lately because there ain't no advertisers, but these people have stuck with this show and we want to stick with you. So please let them know that you found out about them from the soul of Detroit. So thank you, everybody. Now, uh, a quick gratuitous plug about our sweet hats. These just arrived last week. They're on sale at drewandmikestore.com, where we also have a sale on our hockey jerseys. You can get those 20% off, and we will throw in a free autographed Kwame Sutra with those. Those will ship in time for Father's Day, and they'll also ship in time for Buy Curious Day, which, um, Sean, what day is that again? I have no idea. I'm sorry. I've tuned you out there for a <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's not on my calendar either. I'm, you know. 100% He-Man, not that I'm judging. I was just, but, I was uh, distracted when you introduced, you, you said myself, you said you were cool. I don't know. I, I was lost after that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I tried to use some very small words, but I did speak a little fast. So No, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Whatever you say, I'm cool. Whenever you say I'm cool myself, I, I sort of tune out after that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. The most relaxed please, man in Michigan. Please, please continue. Yeah. Hey, Sean, I think some kids are on your lawn. <laughs> Go spray them with a hose. Get, get the rake. <laughs> or, or, or now I guess we're just, we're just firing rubber bullets. So, uh, yeah, so if, if you saw, if you saw our, uh, our, uh, our, our tease for this week's show, you saw a picture yeah. of me on the streets with my colleagues from the free press with a, a Detroit police officer pointing a weapon at me that appears to be some sort of shotgun. It's actually a, uh, it's like a 12 gauge, but it fires non-lethal loads. It's meant to disperse crowds. Um, fortunately, once we identified ourselves as media, uh, the officer did not fire upon us. Now, some dude who went running behind one, me uh, caught one between the shoulder blades. So it's usually best to try and talk your way out of that because not only is it true that you can't karate chop a bullet, you can't talk your way out of one or you can't outrun one either. So, uh, so we want to uh, tell you a little bit about what it's like to be through this, but it's, it's great to be with you guys. And, um, I purposely didn't, uh, I didn't want to text you. I didn't want to talk to you because I've been following your Twitter feed and I would rather save it for the show. Plus you were a little bit busy to deal with, with me for any reason whatsoever. But I, I just, can you walk us through that? The, I mean, when you got the assignment to go down there, how do you, how do you prepare to go down there? What, what did you think you were walking into? What did you know about what you were walking into? So Friday, I was working on what I'm always working on, a Kwame Kilpatrick story. Um, <laughs> and, and then my daughters wanted to go to the march. And they said, you want to march with us? And having been roughed up a bit by cops in the past, I have my own feelings about the proper interactions between our, uh, our sworn peace officers and the public. Uh, in general, I think they do a great job. And they're some of the finest men and women who are treated 
poorly and underpaid and underappreciated, which I think is an injustice in and of itself. Amen. But, but I said, I can't go down there and participate. I'm a reporter. I uh, am objective. I can't be appeared, appear to be taking sides. But uh, my daughters are old enough and they're smart enough to look out for themselves, but I'm still a dad. So I put on my Solar Detroit t-shirt, my, uh, my tiger cap, and I stayed a little bit away from them uh, just to keep an eye on things. Just told them what anybody going to a protest should know. Uh, don't get between the cops and the protesters. And if you see a bunch of people getting together and seeming like they're getting worked up, get the hell away from that because they're, they're not getting there to, uh, they're not getting there to have a quick hand of bridge. So we were uh, going down Michigan Avenue and uh, I noticed uh, the police were driving down uh, Michigan Avenue, trying to make a way. And um, my daughters were pretty close to the car. So I just kind of came out of the crowd and tapped them and said, you know, step to the curb. And then I noticed some people really trying to provoke the police, pounding on the police car, yelling things at them. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if people were spitting inside the car or not, but they certainly were breathing inside the car, which actually right now, mm-hmm. if you're not wearing your mask, is, is damn near a felonious assault, if you ask me. And so I was trying to encourage people to step back and just let the police go through. Um, you know, I didn't say power to the people and I didn't say, you know, the pigs are right. I just said, you know, let them go. We're here to march. Let them, let them go through. And uh, so there were some pretty tense moments in that crowd. Some of these uh, marchers were uh, pounding on the police car, punching holes in the windows. Um, we were walking with a couple of cops who were on foot and they, at one point they were, they were like the sugar cube covered with ants. And one of the a captain was reaching into his pouch for his gas mask. And I said, guys, let's just keep going West on Michigan Avenue. So a few of us kind of provided an escort to them um, as much to keep the march going as to protect them. And somebody ran up and grabbed one of the cops caps and oh, threw it. And I said, let me go get it for you. Cause this guy was about at the edge of his patience and somebody in the March ran the cap up to the cop and gave it to him. And I just thought there are some rational people here. They were able to get out of the crowd and broke free. And then everything was very peaceful. And we went home about seven 30. The March was supposed to end around, around five 30, but we went home and thought nothing of it. And I went back to work on my Kilpatrick story. And uh, I got a text from one of our listeners, uh, Frank, who's not just a listener, he's a supporter of the show, Love 7609, mm-hmm. and a Northwestern Tech grad, by the way. Hey, all right. So, uh, yeah, it's good. a good man all around. And he said, you got to turn on Fox 2. So I go downstairs, and it's it's Bedlam downtown. I mean, it's heartbreaking. My, my former colleague and good friend Jessica Dupnak is going live when somebody gets murdered just down yeah. the street from her. Uh, one of our stellar photographers, Junfu, is right there, and and he's even closer to the shooting than anybody else practically. And I'm like, what is going on? So I um I um uh, went to bed that night thinking, what the hell's going on? And uh, the next day, I worked on my story. I knew there was going to be a briefing at City Hall, or I mean at Detroit Police Headquarters. So I went to that. And uh, came back and wrote that up. My Kilpatrick story is on ice, obviously. It's not the big news anymore. And I volunteered when I was done with my story to go help out because one of the things that you find out about photographers, and I, I really hope people appreciate this because I don't think they quite get their heads around this. They go where no one should go. They mm-hmm. don't think twice about it. And while they're there, they're, they're 
their field of vision is, is, is shot because they're watching the action. They can't see somebody coming up from behind them. They can't see somebody coming up from the side. So I went as much as anything to just to provide, you know, a little, a little cover. I mean, one of my least favorite cliches in the world is I've got your back because usually the people who say that don't, but I went to make sure that somebody didn't come up from behind them. So I guess I did go to have their back literally. And, uh, and, um, one of our photographers on Saturday had the camera swatted out of her hands by uh, a police officer as they were apprehending some people at the Joe Lewis fist. And at the time these people were standing on the Joe Lewis fist, I have no sympathy for anybody who's going to destroy some of our icons here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But when the cops uh, swatted this camera out of her, I just said, I don't know who to cheer for here. I'm getting downtown and I'm going to try and help out where I can. And then I've just been going to the daily briefings and then, hitting the streets. And, uh, it's, um, uh, it's been a moment where I, I, I have seldom been prouder of the people I work with and what we're trying to do because we're not there to take sides folks. We're the ones there who are helping you get unedited, uh, unbiased look and now sound of what's happening. So you at home don't have to go there. And as someone so who you it, can make up your mind, someone who is at home and not going down there and watching, you know, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta, uh, uh, you know, it looks really bad, but in comparison to, to Detroit, it seems like pretty good job by the police here in keeping things calm. Uh, what's your opinion of that from down on the ground and what you saw aside from the one guy who knocked the camera out? Do you, yeah, do you, so I do you would think say, they're doing a I better think, job than maybe other municipalities? That's hard to evaluate because I just don't know what other places are doing. But I, I would say I think the demonstrators deserve some credit, too, because once somebody smashes out a window, you can't stop them from smashing out a window. So I think mm-hmm. while there have been some real shitheads out there and there are some people out there, I think, strictly for a thrill or because you know I, I would i would talk to my my uh, partners in the media we see cars driving through all this honking their horns with their windows down w- rolling video on their own phones they're treating it like it's a wildlife park where they're just driving through and they want to see the giraffe and is is that the lion over there and i really find that to be obnoxious and and unhelpful but but i think demonstrators while there were some people who were really unreasonable and treated police and other people without the respect that they are marching for. Uh, they didn't set fires. They didn't destroy property. Uh, I think the police deserve some credit for that, but I think the demonstrators deserve some credit for that too. And and just to get back to that picture, and I realize I'm Drew is dream weaving upstairs oh, right no. now. But, but, uh, but what happened was at, at some point at night, the police just start looking for clusters of people and they tell them to move on. They want you to move on. At that point of night, their, their patience has gotten a little thin. Mm-hmm. So, they're spraying tear gas and they're also firing these, these, uh, non-lethal rounds. They're called. It's like, uh, I think we have a slideshow going and you'll see one of the shell casings. It's, it's about six inches. I yeah. mean, this is, this is a serious piece of ordinance, but at that point, the cops, we were by, uh, the Coney Island. Charlie was not working. Um, otherwise we might've gotten the employee discount on some price, <laughs> but, um, but they said, you got to go. And we held up our badges and said, we're media. And that's what I was saying to that officer when he had the gun on me. And he didn't fire at me. But uh, but that's kind of a time when you do not want to make any uh, jerky motions because they were. I saw one officer as I was coming up Woodward and I kind of was walking through the, the dregs of a cloud of tear gas, which was the first time I encountered tear gas. And it's it, 
it's aptly named. Mm-hmm. He looks down the side street where a few people see the cops coming in riot gear. They turn to run and he goes, fruh, and he fires a non-lethal round and goes, Z. You know what I mean? He, he didn't even get to the third E and freeze before he's cranking off a round down the street. So I think there were a few people who were maybe a little over-caffeinated, but that's, that's how these things can go so wrong. Everybody is at knife's edge. Their nerves are frayed. And, uh, Adrenaline. Yeah, yeah and, and, and we kind of lose the purpose of why anybody's there. They're peace officers to protect the peace. And the marchers are there to try and bring about meaningful change in some deep-seated societal ills. Um, that doesn't include taking a shit on the front of the Nike store, which I think may be the greatest text I've ever received. Wait, David what? Jesse, what was one that? of our stellar coll- co- uh, colleagues, sent because we, we have a group text to try and keep track of each other. He said, sure. I am witnessing, believe it or not, people trying to take a shit on the front window of the Nike store. Mm. Oh, that takes some amazing dexterity. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that, just, that's you'd have to get your spe- butt. Speaking of firing a non-lethal round, <laughs> I, just, I don't know how that works, but Mike, what, what, uh, <laughs> Mike, tell us about what happened with our, our colleague, uh, Mr. Hunter and how he got singled out there for a, a second and how you guys had to say, no, he was with us. Yeah. So before the incident in front of the Coney, um, uh, we were on, uh, I believe it was Woodward and some cops came running up to us because, you know, some of this may be on us. We, we had finally regrouped because the little clusters we were looking for had been dispersing. So, you know, Team Free Press kind of assembled there and cops came running up to us to say, you got to go. Um, he ran at Brandon. Uh, out of all of us, uh, this cop uh, seemed to go directly for Brandon. Um, and, um, and I'm not sure what happened there. I think, uh, you know, Brandon was wearing a jacket that said uh, Black Panther Party. Uh, maybe the police had been watching that. Uh, for people who aren't aware, the Black Panthers were very active in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. It was a, a, uh, a very uh, radical black rights group that, um, that you know, was, was believed mm-hmm. in armed insurrection. Um, and maybe the cops had been tracking him because they didn't like that jacket. Our press passes are very small and hard to see. But, uh, but I am also not in any way ignorant of the fact that most of the people around Brandon were white. So, uh, so I, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't want to ascribe motives to people. I'm just going to do what a reporter does, tell you what happened, and you can make your own decision. But it was a frightening moment, and I... And you may even hear it on the live feed. I said, you know, you got to turn your jacket inside out, man, because that's, you know, that's yeah. that that can that can you know through no fault of your own um, make you stand out. But uh, and the other thing I I think I should mention is we don't know what the cops look like. They're wearing gas masks. We don't know who's black. We don't know who's white. It's dark out. They come running at you. This is generally not the time to uh, fill out your census form. But it was a very it was a very troubling moment. Brandon is a, a smart young guy and a terrific addition to our staff. And, um, you know, he didn't appreciate it. And I don't think we do either. And our, our editor, Peter Badia, who is uh, one of the best editors this newspaper's had since the late Neil Shine, um, you know, he wrote about it. And you can see yeah. it at Freep.com. We had some other reporters who also had encounters with the police. Um, but but I, I want to be clear, I don't, this is not a feel sorry for the reporters. I mean, if you feel sorry for us, just subscribe to the damn paper so you can pay us. 
shit ain't free, folks. Okay, um, but uh, some. But some- I, I think the important point is if if police are not taking care with members of the media who are clearly members of the media and who are going to tell the world, how do you think they're going to treat you when there's nobody around? I mean, if they're not hesitating to jack us up, your ass is new mown grass. But I must say every officer I encountered was pretty reasonable. Hey, let me, let me ask you this. Cause uh, it's kind of been popping in my head. You see a lot of people, everyone seems to have their phone out, you know, you can question it. Maybe they're just trying to, to capture something that they can put on, you know, Facebook or Twitter. How, how are you distinguished differently from anybody else that's down there that's got their phone out? I mean, do you have a giant, do you have a hat that says press on it? Do you have a, a jacket? I mean, how, how do you guys distinguish yourself? Yeah. So we have press cards and we may have lanyards and stuff. And the photographers are easy to see because yeah. they're carrying these heavy Legit ass cameras, cameras you yeah. know, mm-hmm. but, but actually these days there's all kinds of jokers out there um, with cameras. Um, and I'm, I'm just sending a text to Mandy, Wright, Who we're going to dial in in a minute because, uh, because we got a little bit of a late start. Um, but um, it's crazy, you know, there was some debate because reporters have been targeted around the country and around the world. Reporters are killed all the time and people don't think twice about it, folks. I mean, seriously, this is not, we're not just saying this to say it, but, um, but there was some debate about whether we want to be easily identified as media because sometimes the crowd can target you. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we sort of regrouped on this, I, I'm a little more familiar with this because I used to cover Cedar village when I was at the state <laughs> news and, in East Lansing. But, but my suggestion to, to our editors at the free press was I want everybody to know I'm a reporter because I'd much rather fight with some shithead in the crowd than get shot. You know, if if you're going to have somebody mistake who you are, make sure the police know who you are because they are the ones who have the lethal weapons. And if you run up against some little douchebag, you know, with his, his, uh, his crocheted hat and, uh, his, I think I'm Drexel from true romance uh, hairdo, um, (laughs) I can take that guy. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about him. I'm gonna I'm gonna dial Mandy up in a second, but before I uh, do that, I wanted to ask. Can't remember who asked on Facebook Live. Have you seen pallets of bricks uh, dropped at street corners that um, uh, protesters are using or walking, marching with? Have you seen anything like that? And you know, obviously, we we do know they've used bricks right. to break windows, but I think yeah, the I, accusation is that it was set that. up. Okay. No, I have not seen that. The chief said that there have been people distributing bricks and rocks and things like that. And he showed us some railroad spikes that he said had yep, been I saw that. concealed in a, uh, a box of Cereal? protein bars. And yeah. I think that's part of our slideshow, so you can probably see that. But, uh, but you know, Detroit is undergoing a renaissance where there's construction. So there may be pallets of bricks laying around that are for a building. So, I, you know, we still need to see more evidence that there's an insurrection, that there's somebody who's here for something other than to protest George Floyd, who may have gotten a little carried away while he was doing that protest or she was doing that protest. But, um, but we are asking the police for that evidence. And that's why we think this is an ongoing story and that you should follow it. And while Mandy is talking to Mark, I want to tell you a little bit about Lindsay Broadwell. She's one of the people who stuck with this show and is trying to keep us on the air, which we appreciate. If you've been locked in your home and you realize that it's way too small, then it's time to call our realty sponsor, and that's Lindsay Broadwell. Your house is one of your most valuable investments, and that's why you need an agent you can trust and that knows the business inside and out. Lindsay started her career at Hall Financial, and now she's an expert in real estate. Lindsay will make sure you get the most out of your house and everything goes smoothly to help you find a new home that fits your lifestyle. 
buyers, sellers, especially first-time buyers, make sure you contact Lindsay at broadwellhomes.com. That's broadwellhomes.com or 248-767-7767. That's 248-767-27, then a six and a seven. She's a licensed realtor at Remax Nexus. That's broadwellhomes.com. And when you go to make that purchase, you're going to need some help financing it. And that is where our premier sponsor, Mr. David Hall and Hall Financial, are ready. They care about the community. That's why they're working from home, but they're working around the clock to help save money by refinancing. It's a great time to look at your options, and that's why many people are refinancing right now. If you haven't refinanced in the last year, Hall Financial is here to help, and the rates are super low. So now is the time to lower your monthly payments and keep some extra money in your pockets. Hall Financial Service is the fastest in the business. That's why they have nearly 1,500 five-star reviews from Michigan homeowners. Go to our webpage and click on the logo or get started and call 248-308-5000. That's 248-308-5000. Ask from a man, Dan Morrison. That's Hall Financial. Lower payments, better options, more personal attention. NMLS 1467435. And you are no longer the only member of the show that's used them because I'm refinancing right now with them. So nice. Yeah, no. And super simple over the weekend. I'm like, it is work on the way is working on the weekend, but anytime you want. So, well, that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the hoax with, uh, work at home. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, you just work from home. It's great. It's like, well, shit, I'm working all the time now. You're always on the clock. Mandy is now with us, by the way, if you want to introduce her properly. Right. The queen of the night. Thank you for joining (laughs) us. I'm sorry. We left you hanging there a little bit. We were, we had some technical oh, difficulties. Oh, that's all right. I'm no surprise seeing you out in the field that you're having technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I was trying to capture the crowd, and I took some selfies, but it's it's okay because my hair is amazing now. <laughs> well, you know, um, I just really want to thank you for having my back out there. I really um, appreciate it a lot. So. That that I wasn't trying to help you. I was trying to get on camera. You know, I'm, I'm kind of... <laughs> A little having a little uh, uh, withdrawal from TV, but no, you, Mandy, you did such a tremendous job, and we've heard from so many people. There were, I heard at one time, uh, eighty thousand people watching. The ninety, okay, there's my wife correcting me. She, What's that? <laughs> oh, and she she says um, she says Sean's a bad lover. Anyway, but there were ninety thousand people watching. And I guarantee you there's no TV station in Detroit that was getting those kind of numbers. I mean, and it was because wow. not only of the outstanding photography, but because because of Mandy's cogent commentary and just really from the heart narrative of what you were seeing. I mean, yeah, it really you, happened. Where did you learn all that stuff, man? They don't teach you that in J school. Yeah, well, I didn't go to J school. That's probably why. So um, <laughs> oh. I, I needed to, but I didn't. But you know how it works, you know, so the school of hard knocks. But, um, no, I, uh, it just happened organically. I went to work on Friday. My assignment that day was the Scott Fountain being turned on for the beginning of spring and summer. And so uh, we knew there was going to be an organized protest, but that was the later shift was going to take that on. Um, I kept an eye on sort of what was transpiring out of the protest, and it started to get progressively as nightfall came and and this was really before all of the um protests around the country had started ramping up and so i decided that i'll go go on standby i'll go finish the march because 
the other folks had been working it tirelessly and uh and I just went and we have live stream equipment. We have a Teradek and a, a video camera, but I felt like if you're gonna be in a crowd you need to be really nimble. You have to be able to move. So I just relied heavily on the iPhone. And anyway, it did begin to escalate Friday night to the point where once the uh, riot gear came out, I, I thought, you know, this is time to go live. This is the time to go live. It was it was pretty compelling. Did you ever worry for your safety in there? And if you worried for your safety, from whom? Um, so what happened, things began to get heated the minute the police brought out riot gear and pushing protesters back from Steve Eiserman Drive or that River Road Drive that goes past the Renson back mm-hmm. up onto Jefferson. And as soon as they got the protesters up on Jefferson, the protesters were really angry, really angry. And the crowd was large. I, I, I don't have numbers, but the crowd was really, really large. And, and traffic was still coming down Jefferson Avenue in both directions. And uh, I wasn't really, I think adrenaline has a lot to do with how I operated that night, but I just really tried to keep an eye on my exit route and respect the police. They have their job to do, respect the protesters and just navigate that way. So fear didn't really, it didn't, I was never afraid to be honest with you. I should have been probably, but I, you know, it, didn't didn't unfold that way. Well, you've been to war. I mean, how did this compare to what you saw in the Middle East? So I was in Iraq. I covered for the Knight Ritter team that owned the company before Gannett. And I was sent with a team of reporters and photographers to Baghdad post-invasion of Iraq. So things had calmed down a little bit with the front line. And when I got there, it was really lawless, lawless in a weird kind of post, like euphoric kind of way, like people were free of Saddam's regime in a sense. Um, And so when I got there at first, it was, it wasn't bad. It was sort of like party in the streets and uh, no banks were open. So we didn't have access to money or anything like that. And I, I had not embedded with the armed forces. Um, people had come out that had embedded. So my experience at first was really unilateral coverage on the ground. And then that began to change when the borders weren't secure and Al-Qaeda started to penetrate. And then it did heat up a bit with uh, Rotai bombings and they bombed the Jordanian embassy in Baghdad and things started to heat up then. So I was doing a lot of aftermath of uh, bad things happening. So... It, it's been a long time. I will say 0304 has been a long time. And uh, there, I, I have to tell you, this was a little bit more intense than what I was used to. Because <laughs> um, protests in Detroit are always usually very peaceful. And uh, this was chaos. And, and it was, uh, it was you know, pretty intense. It was more intense than what I experienced in Baghdad, to be perfectly honest with you. I wasn't there for the battle, so it was, it was a bit different. Well, there was a uh, calmer end last night, and I know you interviewed, um, and he's getting a lot of good attention, is Stefan Perez, 16-year-old, went down to March, pretty much quelled the crowd. Can you walk us through that from your perspective? Because I know you interviewed him. I did. So um, I was, I did not take that long march. They marched deeply into southwest Detroit last night, miles. My colleagues 
bless their heart, they marched for miles with this group. And um, I watched the live feed just to make sure nothing, you know, there were no disruptions. And they were working their way back. It was almost curfew, and they were working their way back up Michigan Avenue. And I, at that point, I hadn't really distinguished who the leader was, but it was. It became really clear that Stefan was really like because the, they got up there. The police were at third, blocking the entryway to the uh, headquarters, and they had a show of force that was fairly intimidating. And they they meant business. They really were going to make some arrests and so on and so forth. They had warned that they need the crowd needed to disperse peacefully. Um, because of the curfew that was imposed by Mike Duggan and the eight o'clock it was eight o'clock. And so this young kid grabs the bullhorn. He's lost his voice. He's been screaming for hours during, you know, protests, peaceful protesting. And so that was clearly the leader. And he really was desperately trying to get people to disperse and go home safely. And so it was dramatic. It was really dramatic. And the police kept, you know, saying, you need to disperse. They started to march the, you know, protesters up third a little bit. So it was beginning, those, that tension was beginning again. And this kid just took over and pleaded, just like, I've never, like, it was just amazing. He just was pleading in a poetic way to get people to leave. And lo and behold, this crowd disperses and, um, this, he, he, it was like this weird, <laughs> I, I can't even describe it. So I, I identified him. I didn't know who he was and I got him on our live stream and, uh, he said, you know, I don't care about the media. I care about the message. And he just wanted to get people home safely. And he said, I don't want to be a statistic. And to me, those words are really meaningful for a young man of color. You know, I don't want to be a statistic. What does it tell you? You know, that, that takes it to a whole different level for this generation. So the mayor called while we were on the, you know, that I was blindsided by that. The mayor called while he was being interviewed. And uh, anyway, that was, it was pretty amazing. And I, I really think the rest of the country could take, take the lead right here from this kid. It, there was a moment too, after uh, he had decided that he was done. And I think there was some, there were some people who didn't want it to finish. And, and one of the things people should understand is this was Monday night Sunday night, there was a gathering where police also were at force. This was the first night that we had the curfew. And I think protesters who were used to having their run of the city very quickly found out that the police had some new strategy and boxed them in and then started, I mean, basically running them, setting them, uh, setting them fleeing and then finding little groups and, and dispersing them. And I, I think people who came there Monday, and I don't know how much Stefan had been watching that. And uh, Brandon Hunter, who was uh, the guy uh, Sean was talking about earlier, who police seemed to single out when uh, when we were all clustered on Woodward Saturday night, uh, did a great job writing about Stefan. Uh, you can find that story at Freep.com. And this is one of these moments where when you have kind of an unpredictable, free-flowing uh, situation where you really do get to see how people, I mean, Brandon's new to the free press. He's one of the new hires. I think he was hired just before I was. And uh, I mean, just before I was hired this time, but uh, <laughs> it, it was an opportunity to, uh, for people to rise to the occasion. And uh, it was, it was really great to see how many super talented people are still at the free press. I don't know half these people. Most of the people I know either took buyouts or got laid off or, 
died because it's been a while since I was at the free press, but our photo staff is always one of the things we've been known for. And we got some pretty good reporters too. And, um, you know, you got to check out that work. Is, it's great. is this the kind of situation ML and Mandy that you not, you don't want it, but you kind of thrive in because of, I mean, Mandy, you mentioned the adrenaline. It's got to be a little more exciting than, you know, the opening of the fountain at Belle Isle. Yeah. Um, but violence, you know, quite honestly is never civil unrest is never a good option. So it's, one of those things where you just, I'm an observer, so whatever happens, I observe, and it's not like I enjoy it, right? It's to be the, so inappropriate, but it's something that happened in front of us, and we have to cover it. So you just have to be ready. You just never know. And what happened in Minneapolis, you know, quite deserving of public outrage, and um, it's just taken on this whole new, this whole new animal kind of, you know. Do you ever feel like anybody, um, I'll say maybe protest or be it cop, is is playing to a camera? Have you ever felt that way? Not, not in this particular situation. Everybody sort of had their own position in this. A lot of angry messaging about police brutality. Um, also, you know, the police have their job to do. They never... They never got in my face. I'm really lucky. And, you know, quite honestly, it's probably an aspect of white privilege, right? Because uh, uh, I know Brandon Hunter was featured in an article in the Washington Post today about uh, journalists of color trying to cover this protest and being targeted by the police. Um, no, and Man- <laughs> Mandy, to that, to that point, and Mike mentioned earlier that he was wearing a Black Panther's jacket, but I can guarantee you, Almost with 100%. If I were standing in Brandon's spot with the same jacket on, I think I would have been just fine. You, well, you couldn't fit in that jacket. That. We well, okay, to- that's that's fine. And maybe I needed a, a, a bro to, you know, some kind of a corset to squeeze in. But that's beside the point. So, I, I think I would have been just fine. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not sure that's true either. You might have been considered an antagonizer. Who knows? But... Um, but, but it's a middle-aged, white, bald guy, you know, with yeah, three right. chins. Well, you know, Kurt Dozier was there. He's an African-American photographer on our staff. And he, you know, he was really nervous, too. There were some pellet guns or rubber bullet guns pointed his direction. And tar- uh, tear gas was shot at us. So, uh, I, to Brandon's defense, I think, you know, it's a delicate balance. We're trying to figure out how to fit in. We're... We learned every night to approach this differently. The police learned every night how to p- approach this differently. And uh, there was definitely, we all kind of grew together in this movement of uh, how to handle these violent protests. So Brandon learned a lesson, I think, in terms of how blending in might be handled differently. But, um, you know, it, it was an interesting evolution of how we handled the situation. No, for sure. I'm just saying I, I don't think it's just a jacket by itself. I guess that's my It wasn't. Absolutely yeah. no. It wasn't. And, no. My, my and, and nobody nobody's saying that either, Sean. We're just saying there's all these factors that you have to weigh because Oh, no, for sure. Symbolism I, matters. I agree. I'm the whitest dude in America and they were pointing a gun at me too. So I mean it's not But like, they didn't shoot it. Well, he didn't get shot either. I mean, I I don't know how far we want to go with this, but let, let's suffice to say that when there was a cluster of us people went at him first. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I think the real problem is when you're in a situation and it's assholes and elbows, 
there's very little rational thought. There's very little cool headed uh, thinking going on. And, uh, and, you know, Brandon did great. He kept his cool, stayed on the job, came back every night, nailed a killer story that's exclusive to the free press right now. And that's, that's what yeah, you he want, did a, man. He, our journalists overall did a phenomenal job. Brandon brings something different to the table. I'm so happy to have his perspective on staff. He's really, you know, just lifts us up. He makes us a smarter newspaper. And uh, I really embrace his contributions. And, and Christine McDonald at the Detroit News, again, uh, a very clearly white blonde woman was uh, taken into custody on Sunday, even though she was she was marked as as press, even though she was standing in, a, in an area that had kind of been set aside for the media. And when other reporters protested, she was she was released. But again, and Mandy, we talked about this a little bit before you joined the show. Um you know, we're not saying that the press should have more privileges and we're not we're not we're not only highlighting um, the way some members of the media may have been threatened or mistreated. One of the reasons why you're hearing these stories now is because, first of all, we're confident that they're true because we experienced them and and because we have photographic evidence and on the record witnesses we are looking into as the police, in fact, are looking into um, whether or not officers acted properly. And there are three officers that were not part of last night. That's now Monday night's um, detail because they had been accused or had been seen on social media, maybe treating somebody a little more roughly than, uh, than the chief was comfortable with. So, so there's no question that these sort of things happen. People are looking into them and my hope, and I I think the free press is going to stay on top of this is to make sure that everybody who felt that they were not treated uh, appropriately gets a fair uh, investigation and that the truth comes out. Uh, I will just tell you, uh, as much as I respect the police, um, I'm going to be very curious to see how these things come out. Because when the police jacked me up in a church several years ago, the investigation found that I had assaulted the police by mm. flying backwards with their hands on my chest. Now that's a matrix moves like I've never mm-hmm. seen. If Neo mm. could do that, you know, Mr. Smith and all his buddies uh, never would have taken over the world, but well, we'll see how that goes. We're going to follow yeah. that. And, um, right. and I think that Minneapolis is a real, I mean, and I hate to say, use the term wake up call because this seems to be happening way more than we need to have this happening, that de-escalation tactics and training is imperative for these police departments. I just can't stress it enough. And, you know, I and freedom of the press and, and knowing the difference, you know, they have their jobs to do. I totally understand that. We have our jobs to do, and we're the eyes, of, eyes and ears of history. And people, you know, it's just, I get it. I, they have a job to do. We, you know, and Chief Craig said it in a press conference. He said, like, the, the, the badge you have to identify yourself to walk into your corporate office headquarters at the free press is not the badge that a uh, person behind a riot shield will notify, notice as, you know. <laughs> so we changed our tactic and how we marked ourselves and with the help of the police department, might I add. I was just going to say a couple a couple of quick things. One to your point, Mike, you're, you're about the Detroit News reporter. You're right that that happened all over, including um, Louisville, where there was a 
mm-hmm. a blonde uh, female television reporter, I think with a yellow vest on, uh, with a big microphone and a cameraman standing next to her, and they got uh, shot at, right, with, I think, rubber bullets. Mm-hmm. And this was in Louisville. And that obviously happened everywhere. I, you know, it was just when, when there's a group, you know, who are you going to look to in the group? That's a different dynamic. But real quickly, one thing that's heartened me a little bit, to Mandy's point, with the police uh, and obviously the mayor, Mayor Duggan's staff reached out to the free press. That happened with the Minnesota governor. That happens with the, with the mayor of Minneapolis. That's happened in, um, in Atlanta. I think that's happened in a lot of different places where the politicians and the chief of police and the police in general are trying to work with the press to let them cover this. The president's a different matter, but, but at least on the local level, there's some communication. And I think, you know, that's a good thing. I want to ask uh, ML and Mandy this question. Have you seen anybody posing as media or the press to get down there? And I mean, there's, you know, there's been stories. I don't know how truthful they are that Antifa will pose as the media to go down there and break stuff. Have you seen any of that? You well, know? everybody, everybody has a camera now. Everybody has their phone. Everybody has a camera now. You know, it's ubiquitous to have this type of gear. Um, so I didn't see anybody who was like saying I'm press and then go break a window. I did not, I, I can't speak to that. I did not see that. ML. Yeah. And, and I was generally on deadline, um, uh, writing the daily story from the, the, the briefing at the police headquarters. So I would tend to join our team on the street uh, around eight o'clock or so, and, and just kind of fill in where I could, so I was not after Friday night in the midst of it, but I will tell you some of the people I saw trying to cause trouble uh, during the peaceful march, uh, the, the four o'clock march on Friday, I really wondered whether they were just assholes or whether they had an agenda. But um, from that point on, I, you know, Saturday night, we did see a guy who was a medic. He uh, had red crosses on his backpack and on, on what he was wearing that you can see that video, I think at freep.com too. And he explained, I'm here. If anybody gets tear gas in their eyes, I mean, I've got, I got my little bottle of milk that I've been carrying with me. It's an old Dawn bottle, but uh, you know, you learn every night as Mandy says, okay, what are we going to bring tonight? You know, uh, don't bring a bunch of water because there's not going to be a place to pee. So, you know, you want to be hydrated, but you don't want to be, you don't want to be drowning. Um, and, and this guy said, I'm not part of a big group or anything, but he said he was part of anonymous, which is an international hacking group. So was he, was he somebody out there? Was this cosplay for goobers or was he really part of anonymous? You know, we don't know. They don't, they also don't have an ID either, but, um, I did not see people out there who seemed to me like they were, you know, we heard about people with walkie talkies and, and commands and things like that. It was loud. It was fast. When the, when the officers uh, were making a, a frontal assault, it, it, it was sprint. They were sprinting at the crowd and things happened very quickly. So um, it wasn't like you had time to really identify who was who in a sense when that was taking place because we were all running to, you know, get out of harm's way. And, you know, it just when there's chaos, it's you almost have to sit back and review the footage to see, you know, what, what I was filming. I it's such a blur. I don't even remember. The other interesting thing from a media aspect is for the three months prior to all this, the story was coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. And now you, you know, no large gatherings. And now you have large gatherings all over America and you don't really hear, you, you see a few stories here and there, but you don't hear it from the crowd perspective was there any concern about that? And maybe this is more for you, ML. Has the mayor talked about that? 
Oh, yeah. There have been a lot of people here and across the country saying we're worried that these are going to be hot spots and we won't know for a couple of weeks. And how are we going to contact trace anybody? You know, say, hey, were you the guy who was screaming at a cop? Could I get your address? You know, we're just not going to know. And, and I, 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 I've, I've been wondering about this since Friday. And particularly when I saw the video that Kelly Jordan of the Free Press shot down by the Joe Louis Fist on Saturday night. There were a lot of people who looked like they came down there. And Mandy and I encountered some of them on the street, too, who looked like they were down there because they wanted to be a part of something. I, I think they probably believe that that uh, uh, George Floyd's death was an injustice and that we need to do something. But I, I can't help but wondering if people had not been penned up for three months, if they could have gone to the Black Keys concert that night, if yep. if they could have seen their friends somewhere else, or if they weren't at home watching our live stream or watching the news and saying, oh, you know what? I'm going down there. But I know as someone who wears a mask all the time, uh, I saw a lot of people not wearing a mask and I'm like, Hey man, well, you know, and people rubbing up on you and it's just, well, I saw ugh. this in the protest in Lansing and this was, you know, the, when the first protest in Lansing against governor Whitmer's stay at home order that you got that sense that people had pent up from frustration and were very angry and getting out was like celebration in a weird way and driving around the building and beeping horns and people running around. I mean, this is when we were really in our thick of it with the protecting ourselves from COVID. So I've seen this before unfold earlier on. And then I thought, I thought the same thing again, that this was, these riots were fueled by a bit of multiple things. And obviously I don't want to take it away from what happened to George Floyd, because that really is what drove this protest across the country but there is an element i think of people that have just been you know pent up and just frustrated and it's just a whole new new right yeah don't you, I, don't you think the weather too also contributes to that and it's not just george floyd right in in the span of a week and a half or maybe two weeks the jogger in georgia and his name escapes me sorry ahmad Arbery. and then and then becky in central park right talking to the, the bird watcher, the African-American yeah. man, was a Harvard professor, and then George Floyd. So it was bam, bam, bam. It was like and three the, different right. examples. And the EMT in Louisville, who seems to be forgotten in all this, who was shot. Right, in you're right. Bed. And it was it was squeezed in, and they were all sort of perfect examples of, the, of, of different deep, deep, deep issues in a short period of time as the weather's warming up, at least across the Midwest and the Northeast. And, and it's uh, the only event. It's the only event that, to ML's point, it's the only thing that's been going on for people, you know, even if there's people that like to be where other people are. Kristen Jordan Seamus writes about, you know, writes about this. So it might be checkcreep.com and read her story about how um, they're, they're waiting now for a second wave of COVID out of these protests. I was going to make a point that you had mentioned earlier, Mandy, and that was uh, that everybody has phones and with the pent up energy that everybody's that you guys are talking about and everybody wanting to get out of the house and everybody having a phone, I think there's way too many people who think they are reporters. And that's why it's such an, it's such an important thing that you're doing and ML and Sean and all these other reporters that are out there telling the truth, because I think when people start throwing um, nonsense out um, that incites a lot of fury and a lot of times that fury is from something that didn't even happen it was just made up or or interpreted the wrong way 
So I think this is a, a, a good example of what real, real, real reporting is all about. Well, and one of the other things, and, and, and we're going to let Mandy go because I know she's exhausted and, and, and I may be seeing her later tonight, but um, uh, professionally. But um, the thing is, the thing is, um, unless, I don't, I don't know, Teresa, but Mandy, we'll talk about this after the show. But, but, You're not my but, type. Uh, oh. I know, it's, it's been well documented that Mandy can do way better than me, believe me. And that's that's pre mullet even, but um, but the uh, one of the things that you see people even trying to do interviews when somebody when you ask somebody, um, are you here to cause trouble? And they say, yeah, uh, they're good. They've 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 got the answer they're looking for. A reporter, a photographer, will say, well, what kind of trouble? Why are you here? You know, where are you from? What's this all about? Well, you get to some more penetrating. A discourse and you can find it's like, well, I'm here to cause trouble, like yelling and screaming. Well, that's not the same as being there to set fires and, uh, and to smash police cars. And, and really our training is, you know, we're told if your mother says she loves you, check it out. And so we do ask questions like, uh, you know, why are you here? Oh, you say you're from Detroit. What's your address? You know? And, and so, so when you hit freep.com, you're going to see lots of great content. It's all free to you, but it's not free. So if you're there and you would be so kind, hit the subscription button too, because that's what pays to keep uh, Mandy on the street. And uh, I'll be on the street soon too when the layoffs hit, but I'll be performing personal service contracts with some people call it private dancing. I'm not here to judge, but uh, hey, before <laughs> well, we, we got to keep Mandy working. <laughs> thanks for having me on and thanks for having my back through these protests, ML. You've been a great help. Mandy, you're the best. I'm, I am a barnacle on the ship of truth, and you are a able captain. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mandy. Okay. Thanks, Mandy. Boy, Mandy, Mandy deserved a lot better metaphor than that. But, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what happens with live uh, broadcasting, folks. Um, we're going to take a very quick break to uh, introduce you. Hopefully you know him because he's a sponsor of all the Red Shovel Network shows. A gentleman named Mr. Luke Nowacki. And the reason we want to talk to you about him is because these are very difficult times financially and you need a good captain. Oh, so it does make sense. It's all coming full circle. There is a plan to steer your financial ship away from the shoals. And if you don't know what shoals are, it's a place where you don't want your ship to go because apparently it's very bad. Very bad indeed. They're not beautiful. (laughs) You're getting lost in another metaphor. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, You know who I blame? (laughs) China. (laughs) Um, so in the month of March alone, the Dow was up and down like a yo-yo, going up one and a half percent or more on five separate trading days. And folks, it has not gotten better since this coronavirus hit. So to put that in context, in the course of 2017, there was only one such trading day where the market was so volatile. Volatility appears to be back. And if you have concerns over your investments or would like to discuss your strategy, give Luke Nowacki a call at 248 663 Four seven four eight. That's two four eight six six three four seven four eight. Or email at lnowacki. That's l n o w a c k i at jhnetwork.com. That's j h is in hot pants network.com. I don't know why I came up with hot pants. Anyways, uh, Luke has been doing this for nearly 19 years and has helped clients through the dot-com collapse in 2000, the 9-11 downturn, the 0203 downturn, the housing and financial collapse of 0809, and can help you presently. He will make it all about you, sweetheart. 
Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Is him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? So lately we've had a lot of competition for Geek of the Week. This week I'm going to make it simple. I'm picking three winners to share the crown. Oh. You, fat angry bastard. You, skinny little dick in the black beret. And you, pretend Rasta man with your crocheted hat <laughs> and your uh, fake dreadlocks, or maybe they're real dreadlocks. I don't know. They didn't, yeah, I, I, I got close enough to slap that hat off, but I didn't. I showed restraint. You guys who were at a peaceful march and wanted to attack a police car going through the march, that is not cool. That is not getting the message out there. That is causing trouble. And if you're really worried about police brutality, do you want to put yourself in a position where you're provoking the police to brutalize you? No. You endanger yourself. You endanger your fellow marchers. And you endanger people who understand that the real message is to push for reform of the police not to push the police. So we got some pictures of you. I'm going to try and figure out who you are. So today you're Geek of the Week, but next time I see you, I'm going to knock your dick in the dirt. The kids are soft. I don't care for that guy. Me neither. Too no. soft. I'm going to pretend like you need to just make my dick go soft. You and, uh, and take it away, Matt, because now it looks like ML has disappeared out of nowhere. Where did he go? Oh, boy. Okay. mad, I think. It's your uh, segment. It's your time to shine. Okay. Uh, so, well, here's your, what happened. And your challenge today is to make Sean uh, laugh legitimately. Oh, boy. That's going to be a hard one. He's just sitting there, very grumpy. <laughs> Come he on, man. Stone-faced, man. Come on, man. Okay. Good luck. All right, well. Let's get started. This is what happened uh, in this week in soft history. In 1783, a hot air balloon was launched to demonstrate the large bag filled with hot air would rise, which later explained how Trump got an office. That was cute. I I wanted to see if Democrats would like this joke, so I reached out to Nancy Pelosi for a comment, but she was too busy forcing a back alley gastric bypass on Chris Christie. I like that uh, dual offender to left and right. Yes. There you go. (laughs) I I like to keep it even, Stephen, because that's what I am. (laughs) You still have not made Sean laugh, though. That's the problem. No, I wish I was. You know what? If I was next to him, I would tickle him after every single joke. I'm laughing uh, inside. There's a smirk. I see a (laughs) smirk on his face. That's your stomach. (laughs) Oh, oh. Shot fired. Man, whenever ML's not here and it turns into like Animal House. This is the time. Oh, when the boss is away, oh, the right. kids will play. Got the All idea right. of him being anybody's boss. Yeah, it's no, frightening, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know how no anything boy. would get done. Everything would be late. No, I'm just kind of a side contractor here. So, you know, maybe he's Matt's boss, but he's not ours, Mark. He's my boss, yeah. What else happened this week? In 1994, the Mickey Mania Parade premiered at Walt Disney World and still continues to this day. But due to the current COVID-19 restrictions, all the parade players were replaced with aggressive New York rats. Hey, is that that's the thing they do every night there? 
I do not know. Oh, I think that's uh, when I ever he- I hear the Disney parade thing. I think of Nancy Kerrigan. Does anybody remember when Nancy Kerrigan was on the parade? This is so boring. Yeah, well, I think no. she said it was the most stupidest thing ever. Was oh, most okay. stupidest. That's my favorite Nancy Kerrigan moment. <laughs> outside of why, why? Never has a victim a f- been so demonized like Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan. I saw that one meme where it has Nancy Kerrigan talking to someone in the ice rink and, uh, uh, shit, what's her name? Tanya um, Harding. Yeah, Tanya Harding is kind of like skating past her and it says uh, 2020 on the left and under her it says COVID-19. Oh, that makes sense. That seems about yeah. right. What you else happened this? Them. What else happened this week? Was, was that one of your soft history bits? No. <laughs> okay. I don't just like curious. this episode anymore. Just curious. Keep moving. Hey, just Move. remember. Okay. You don't Keep have to moving. edit it. In 1997, Larry King was spotted shopping at a shoe store in Key West, wearing only a pair of swimming trunks. Swim. <laughs> Wearing only a pair of swimming trunks and a colorful waist pouch and a short sleeve shirt. The woman helping him to try on shoes was uncomfortable, but tried her best to accommodate. That is until he asked her to find shoes that would match his bag. <laughs> Good one. Why is, and, why is Larry King shopping part of uh, any This Week in History? I don't because know. For the joke. This an, it was an important event. <laughs> it's like nothing happened this week. <laughs> Nothing happened this week. And in 2011, controversial Dr. Jack Kevorkian died at the age of 83. Kevorkian was known as Dr. Death and had spent eight years in prison for giving Jeffrey Figer the means to pay for such a stupid haircut. Okay. That's a good one. Sean's reaction. Okay. That's... Fuck, man. That's a good one. That's a good one. So we were talking earlier in the show about Antifa or Antifa and are they out and about and I said we're still waiting to get evidence. I think we just found it. I got taken out by insurgents (laughs) and I missed this week in soft history. I was told it was a lot of fun. Uh, no one has told me whether it was more fun without me. I think they're being too polite. Well, it definitely, would, it went faster without you. Um, I think I would just sum it up as best one yet. It sounds like uh, it sounds like Scarlett Johansson's uh, love making. Are you goes sure? Faster without me? Are you sure it was? See, in- that was uh, ten unnecessary words. There was that. Your point, Mark? <laughs> and now we're up to twenty unnecessary words. <laughs> well, you did, can we go for thirty? You did mention anonymous at one point too that would be more oh, uh, more their the way than, than yes. antifa so and we already have facebook won't let us post our website so i, I think the internet has turned against us the show is doomed <laughs> well anyways we just wrapped up base month on uh, room 7609 which was brought to you by elric.com the uh, makers of fine custom-made bass guitars check one out hit the lottery get two of them but uh, i can't leave base month quite yet because i love the bass guitar, and I love it when it takes the lead position 
in music. And there are two things that happened after our last episode where we featured John Taylor of uh, Duran Duran playing Planet Earth. Uh, one of our listeners pointed out quite rightly that I made a major, major error of omission by not mentioning that the B side on the Planet yeah. Earth signal is Late Bar, which is the theme song for Room 7609. Yeah. Wow, what a, a good ear by that listener, man. I know, man. There's some, there's some sharp mother scratches out there. <laughs> and, uh, and we did get something that may be the silver lining of COVID-19. John Taylor has been trapped in his house and oh, started yeah. a series where he, he explains how some of the big hits that Duran Duran did came together. And he plays them and he explains both how hits are put together and how uh, it goes. The last night of the fair By the big wheel generator A boy is stopped when his money is grabbed And the air hangs heavy like a gullet wine She is famous, she is funny An engagement ring doesn't mean a thing To a mind consumed by brass and money And a boy will come along
As I was saying before the Smiths so rudely interrupted me, John Taylor has a series on YouTube where he talks about how the great Smiths hits come together in the bass section and his interplay with drummer Roger Taylor. But here's here's why I can't let go of the subject. He's also doing some other interviews, and he has one where he does mm-hmm. an interview with Susanna Hoffs of the Bangles. And, nice. fellas, let me just tell you, still looking pretty good, oh, Susanna Hoffs. She was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. She brought on the uh, zombies, and she looked beautiful. Still can yeah, sing, I too. A, I had a huge crush on her growing up. I still do. Oh, yeah. I, I would crawl like an Egyptian to Egypt, where they're also having unrest, to uh, just uh, have, uh, have um, Susanna Hoffs use some milk to wash the tear gas out of my eyes. But, uh, Sean, I, but opinion I on, Sean, you have no opinion on Susanna Hoffs? No. <laughs> Perfect. Sean is upset that we're objectifying a fine guitar player and vocalist. Uh, yeah, that's good. Which don't make her not smoking hot. Anyway, um, that was Rush Home Ruffians by the Smiths. Uh, I, I love the Smiths, as you, you do? may know. And uh, this is not my favorite Smiths song. It's also not one of the most obscure Smiths song, but we picked it this week because it's a nice segue from Bass Week because you hear Andy Rourke, again, another underappreciated new wave bass player who leads this tune. He's the one who brings us in to the melody. And that's extraordinary because when you're talking about musicians in the Smiths, you're talking about Johnny Marr, one of the greatest guitar players of any yeah. uh, style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I also, this is on the Meet is Murder album, the second album by the Smiths, one of their most successful, another great bass-driven song, Barbarism begins at home. You got a new wave guy playing slap bass guitar on top of the pops. That's unprecedented. All tremendous reasons to talk about Andy Rourke. But I also want to bring this in because Rush Home Ruffians makes me think about some of the ruffians that we ran into on both sides in Detroit this past week. And because I think when we we, we think a new wave and it's very English uh, uh, originated genre, we think of it as sort of a, uh, a limby, maybe a little bit, keep your pinky out while you're sipping your, uh, your pink champagne cocktail. In a way, I think of New Wave as very Detroit. Where were the greatest bands from? Manchester, working class, industrial town yeah. like Detroit. Where did the rhythm sections get their inspirations from? Motown. Motown. Morrissey, the unurbanist guy ever, one of his favorite things to do is listen to Motown girl band 45s. The rhythm sections, Duran Duran, um, uh, the Smiths, they listened to funk. They were inspired by the great Motown bands and, and some of the older bluesy cats. Echo and the Bunnymen, where are they from? Liverpool, a working class band. And maybe one of the sort of the poshest new wave bands, 
Duran Duran, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are from Birmingham, or as they would say, Birmingham, which is a working class town too. So when I say I admire new wave music, it's not just because of all the things we talk about every week, but because in a way I feel it connects with Detroit. It is a music for working people. And it is a music that, uh, that I think still resonates today. And if you like it and you have a tune that we don't play, you can reach out to us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. You can leave us a message at 313-288-9070. That's 313-288-9070. What do we say? 313-Butterfield-8-9070. And there's finally a new outgoing message, uh, which I think just sounds wonderful. So if you want to hear that, uh, call, but make sure you leave a message. That's yeah. um, is that the one where uh, don't tell Morrissey him. does the uh, the the triple stacker meat ad for um for Wendy's? You'll have to call and find out. Oh, mm. sweet cliffhanger, man! Did, did Morrissey? That's how it's done. Let me ask you this: because you talk about working class, when I think of working class, you don't think of many vegetarians, which Morrissey is. I mean, the the song we just played is from Meat Is Murder, but uh, did he ever get any backlash? In the early, when, when did that album come out? Because he was a vegetarian? It came out, I think, in around 83. And he actually told the guys in the band he did not want any of them pictured eating meat while they were working on of it. Course. So I think there was cool. some internal controversy because people felt like he was big timing them. But, um, but, but what, you about, know, he what about fans? He really had become very radicalized by that point on vegetarianism and animal rights. Yeah. So, but what about fans? Were they turned off by that, or do they not care because they like the music? I don't think they yeah. cared. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that there was a big pushback. Uh, I was reading that um, when the album came out, he actually talked a Scottish uh, TV show into showing some uh, either vivisection or, or slaughterhouse <laughs> video during the evening newscast. I think that was somewhat controversial. But if you've been to a Morrissey show, you know <laughs> when Meat Murder comes on, you probably want to go get a beer because unless you want to see and a hot dog. animals being, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. God, he just but, sounds um, like a joy to be around Morrissey. He's always so but I mean, positive. There's a ton of vegetarians uh, that, that are great artists. Rob Zombie doesn't eat meat. Well, now, you know? I mean, I'm just thinking in the 80s where he was. I mean, he's got to be one of the early ones. Well, and one of his great... One of his great lyrics are uh, why, uh, why trifle? Something about life's complexities when the leather runs smooth on the passenger seat. So I guess he's willing to have Ooh. leather uh, on the interior Uh-oh. of his car. Or maybe oh, that a was hypocrite. a subtle jab at someone with a sweet... Uh, ar- I, I, would, I would take it as being ironic, if anything, if he said it. <laughs> Morrissey? <laughs> ironic? Yeah, yes. imagine that. Yeah, no, he was a man uh, of the people who hated the oppressors, and yeah. now he seems to be somewhat sympathetic to the uh, the nativists in uh, the UK and not so keen on immigrants, immigrants which is funny which is because he and his entire family are, are immigrants from Ireland who ended up being in, uh, in the projects in Manchester. But, you know, this we could go on and on. We will have Everyone's a promise. A Everyone's I promise a we'll have more Smiths on the show in the future. That's a good pick. Rush like home. It. Yeah, and, you know, there are like a lot of ruffians out there and – what the hell? I, I like it. Maybe Sean, some Beatles. Sean can't stop talking about it, so that's the good thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just waiting for Hugh Perkins. <laughs> so anyways, thanks for listening. I'm sorry this show was a little choppy. We're all a little sleep-deprived. We've had some uh, Antifa hackers uh, targeting yeah. us, and uh, 
I think uh, it was if it wasn't if it wasn't our cogent observations, maybe it's the smell of my hair that brought a tear to your eye at home. So, ha ha! Your game is way on, baby. But uh, we also, before we go, we should encourage you to get your Father's Day purchases in as soon as possible. We have these sweet hats are now available for twenty dollars at drewandmikestore.com. We're having a sale on our hockey jerseys. Once they're gone, folks, they are gone. 20% off. We're going to throw in a signed copy of the Kwame Sutra there. And we have restocked our t-shirts. If you were looking for one of our flagship t-shirts and your Hell size yeah. is not there, it is now, including Hugh Perkins size. I think he takes a Damn large. That. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's an extra large. And if it's a triple extra large, we now have those too. So, uh, so check it out. These will ship in time for father's day for uh, mother's day next year. Um, in time for Ramadan next year, yes. um, Shamalama Ding Dong Day, all this stuff. We got you covered, man. Beautiful. So just go buy this shit because we could use the dough. And if you want to donate, you can donate. Mark, how do kind people give uh, us their money? MLSolaDetroit.com, little donation bar. And all the old past episodes are on there, too. It's a really uh, lovely website. That's right. So don't miss it. And uh, Mr. Matthew, what, 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 what's the word there? And let's not forget about Dave Hubbard. He was actually a donor from last week, and he owns the butchery. And I decided to come in there, and I had two of the best steaks of my life over there. They are fantastic. They've got aged steaks. They've got new steaks. They've got what, smoked you get them, salt. They've did you get them everything. for free? Yeah. No, I paid. No. What's no, going uh, on, Maz? We do uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> we do not take handouts. Remember, we talked about this last week. No, but did you ask him if uh, if we he just wanted handed to advertise? Out a spot, yeah, <laughs> no, a free spot. No, sir. <laughs> okay, but yeah, well, but he is a donor. He paid. He did pay, okay, and he's enough. interested in advertising. So perfect. I think we're even now. Yes, we will, we will follow up with him. Uh, if you'd like to advertise, we have a crack sales staff, which means we do. They crack. will sell you crack, and things but, will fall uh, through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but but they're working on it. They, they there's a 12 step program for everyone. We also have a, a unique program called Camisole. It's based on Cameo, where you have some celebrities read some Yang and you give them some money, and it's usually pretty funny. Uh, we call it Camisole because it's unique to us. Finally, someone has taken us up on our offer. A gentleman named Christopher donated fifty dollars, and we're going to read his message. Now, you only got to give us twenty dollars or more to get your message on here. Uh, we'll read just about anything. We are going to have to put some limits on there, but we're going to let your imagination create those limits. So here's our first Cami soul message from Christopher. Um, and I'm interested to see how this hits the other guys. Cause when I read it, I was like, is this tongue in cheek or does this guy want a piece of us? <laughs> Anyways, here we go. We'd like to announce that this week in soft news experiment is over. It sucked on Whoa. DNM and it sucks even worse on SOD and will not be featured again. Four stars. Love the show except for the parts that suck. The shitty music segment is at least interesting and can be recognized as music created by musicians. All that can be said for this week is the random words do mostly make complete sentences. Generally, Team Sean. Mark is an underrated interviewer. ML stories are quite well told. I subscribe to Freep.com because you asked and it's important. Also figure how to make it possible to make those recurring donations, slackers. I know. So, That's on me. Hey, I just finally I, got the phone uh, the phone message out. That took me four months. I sense a lot of pain, but I also sense a lot of love, which is yeah. really what I felt on the streets of Detroit. So, Chris, thanks for the dough. Thanks Thank for the you. advice. Uh, we'll take more yeah. of it. And as you can tell, there's not much we won't say on the air 
So test us, bitches. Mark, uh, Mark is an <laughs> underrated interviewer, isn't he? Oh, I don't think so. I just ask questions. It's and just easy. remember, if you don't laugh during soft history, I'm doing my job. And you're not and alone. I, I also misread this. It's actually Mark oh, yeah. is an underrated yeah. interviewer. Yeah. Mark's so. an underrated. What was, what was yours, Elwick? You're the man or the boss or something? Um, I'm trying. I think the shitty music segment might be tired of me. But, uh, but uh, he, says something about he says, Sean, Sean's the only guy who walks out of this unscathed. Yeah, Sean got all kinds of love. I didn't get any love. What did he say? Oh, yeah. No, he likes he's you. Team Sean all the way. Yeah. Oh, my team. team Sean. I, see. Yeah, I don't know who wouldn't be Team Sean. You're a very genuine person. Well, yeah. I don't know about that. I'm just. Uh, no, I think you're incredibly genuine. Well, I care I'm, about you I'm out incredibly, of fear. Uh, I'm incredibly flabby. You know, I jiggle when I walk. <laughs> well, other than that, I don't I'm, know. I'm not going to cast self-defecation not- that people love and the self-defecation as well. So Sean's going to have some great stuff for you at Freep.com. He is... Uh, oh, hopefully. He is yeah. struggling with a subject that we discussed on the show this week. Check out the free press yeah. and see how he resolves that inner turmoil. Maybe we should have had him the Hulk, be the Hulk. I don't know. But we really appreciate <laughs> you listening. Um, we really appreciate your interest. We su- appreciate your support, both of this show, of all the Red Shovel Network shows, and of all the journalists who are out there. And it, it's, it sounds corny, but they really are exposing themselves to danger to tell you the stories that we think you're most interested in. We appreciate if you subscribe to this show. That's one way we beat the Facebook guys. Won't let us put our website up there. Please rate the show. We're up to 500 ratings, which is really terrific. Please share the show. That way other people get the gospel of, uh, of the soul of Detroit. You can call us. We told you how. We can write. You can write us. We told you how. We're not, we're not going to tell you again. If you weren't paying attention, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. Don't you dare Don't press rewind and find that's out. That's right. We will tell you how to donate again. That's at, uh, at mlsoulofdetroit.com. Hit the donate button. Uh, in case you missed that, that's mlsoulofdetroit.com. Hit the donate button. And you Are can we allowed it. to donate? Are uh, Mark and I allowed to donate? Well, what about me? Well, um, I mean, Matt, Matt. If you want to take you know, uh, you, you guys don't really know this, but I control the finances, so you kind ah. of have been donating. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that will come out. Uh, at the forensic audit at the okay, end. Okay, I was just curious because I'd like to box uh, donate a box of periods for you. That's just me. <laughs> well, let's 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 keep your biological cycles to yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, su- I suppose I suppose if you use a semicolon once in a while, that'd be all right too. Uh, I'm recommending periods, fewer conjunctions, definitely fewer commas. That's well, since we're dash. since we're I'll speaking grammar, I, I have to dash because the mayor's having his briefing, <laughs> and we're going to find out what's coming next. We'll have that for you hit at freep.com. Damn, I'm pimping for everybody. I, I'm like the new Matt Jennings here. And make sure you go to the butchery um, in Sylvan Lake, I believe. And uh, we really appreciate you. Please listen to all the other shows. That's Charlie Laduff's No BS News Hour. There's uh, No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob. And I know I don't need to tell you to listen to the Drew and Mike show because that's why we're here. And that's, yeah. why Mark, that's why Mark is, there's a wanted poster at his house saying, yep, have you much. seen this man? Because we haven't. So Mark, we appreciate you being the backbone of this fine communications empire. Amen. It gets me out of the so, house. There you go. So be safe. If you're on the streets, remember why you're there. Act like you know what to do when it's time to do it. And Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? 
Here again is M.L. Elric. Next week, a story by the big fellow himself. Mark Falhauer. And in weeks to come, other great yarns by John P. Marquand, Stephen Vincent Benet, John O'Hara, Louis Bromfield, and other great names published in the Charles Grayson anthology, Stories for Men. Tonight's story was adopted for radio by Joel Mercott. The music composed and conducted by Lynn Murray. D. Engelbach directed and produced for Santana Productions. Until next week when we meet again, good night.